welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to another edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am fired up, even though it's a bye week, I'm still fired up because we're eight and two. And joining me, of course, is Brandon Schultz. Brandon, how are you? How are you doing this week? The, the bye weeks—they're they, kind of weird. How are you feeling this week? It was—it was actually kind of nice just to feel relaxed. I got to watch a day of football on Sunday. There wasn't any pressure. I got to cheer uh, for whoever was playing the 49ers, and that turned out to be the Cardinals. It felt kind of weird, but uh, they get out to the 16-0 lead. I, I thought that the Seahawks were going to have a chance to to overtake the division without even having to play this weekend, uh, but the Cardinals didn't hold up their end of the bargain, so screw those guys. Uh, we'll just do it on our own now. Yeah, it felt, definitely felt a little bit dirty, but at the same time, I mean, they jump out to the lead. The Bears had all the chances in the world versus the Rams, and of course, the Vikings come back from twenty to nothing. So all these teams that that you know could have compiled some losses. They all decide to win on our bye week, but that's okay. You don't mind that. If we take care of our business, we're going to be exactly where we want to be come late December and into January anyway, because we're going to control our own destiny. And that feels pretty good. I like the way that feels, Brandon. Yeah, just take care of business. That's all they got to do. And it's coming up this week against the Eagles, but we're not previewing yet this matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. We're, we're going to take a look back at earlier on to the season to, to this point. Correct. We got 10 games to digest. We're eight. Do we mention, do we mention yet that we're eight and two at this point? Eight and two. We, eight and two, right? We got 10 games to digest. Let's, let's take a, take a trip down memory lane and see, you know, we, we are going to do the ins and the outs and the, and the goods and the bads and then the nooks and the crannies of the whole ledger already for the season. Of course, we're going to check in from the flock as well. But, you know, Brandon, I'm having a, having a hard time here. You know, I know what we do when we have an out. We don't really want to talk about that. It's only been twice this year anyway. And I certainly know what we do when we have it in, but I don't really know what the heck we're supposed to do when we have a, when we have a buy. So when we're on a buy, we, I like to eat apple pie. Apple pie is pretty good. Maybe we go, maybe we, you know, laugh and maybe have a little cry. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> I, I don't want to cry. We're eating too. But, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking for other things that when we, when we have a buy, uh, maybe we sing bye, bye, bye to celebrate the touchdowns and the whole thing already. Or maybe, maybe perhaps we're being a reflective and when we have a bye, we just sit there and sigh. Uh. Uh, You know what, Brandon, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. When we have a bye, why don't we start with a thigh? All right. So even though it's a bye week, we're still going to start with it in because we are again, once again, eight and two. And I mentioned the little key word there, the thigh. So Brandon, I'm going, I'm going all in right away. My first in for the first 10 games of the year. To me, this dude has surprised the upside. He's been extremely consistent. And if you follow three and three out, then you probably get the, get the hints by now. We're talking about old thigh arm himself. I'm talking Al Woods. Brandon, I think sans clowny, Al Woods has been our most consistent defender. He's been gobbling up the middle of the field. He is doing a remarkable job against the run. He's had some big, big plays on fourth downs and on two-point conversions. Man, my first in for the season so far, 10 games in, goes to old thigh arm, Al Woods. How do you feel about the thigh arm in your face? Well, this is just kind of a head nod, I think, to the job that John Schneider did in the offseason because when we saw the Al Woods signing, it it always seems like the Seahawks find 
a dude in the defensive interior that just he does his job. He does it well. And Al Woods has done his job at stopping the run better than just about any guy of, of recent status of that veteran status that John Schneider tends to bring in in the offseason. And yeah, he's he's played all 10 games, been out there consistently. He's in there. He's even rushing the passer in some situations. He got a sack uh, yes. against uh, against the 49ers. So that definitely jumps uh, immediately onto my radar. It, I, I'm looking at his stats. He even has a target and and he, he did not uh, uh, allow the pass to be completed. So he's O of one for allowing completed passes when you're throwing Al Woods way. Yeah, he, he's a shutdown. He's a shutdown D lineman, shutdown uh, nose tackle at this point. Uh, he's doing a remarkable job, and I love the Schneider call out too because you're you're absolutely right. Just along this, you know, this tenure, this 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 2012 or so, 2013, 20, all throughout these years, they'll just find dudes like Ataba Rubin, right? It's like, all right, here's this 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 big man who's out there, you know, quote unquote, nothing special. They put him in, they plug him in. The guy just is a is I hate to undersell it as a cog. Obviously, we're glorifying the guy as our first in for the uh this the the shortened ten game season so far. It's it's more than just a cog. The dude outperforms in kind of the niche thing that he's being asked to go do. And I feel really strongly about Al Woods. And I'm just pumped up because it's not just you know it's not just these first ten games because can I mean let's face it can you win a game in the first second or third quarter? No, you cannot. You can't win the season in those quarters either. But Al Woods, man, we had. Read out for six for six weeks to start the season. Al Woods was there. We got Puna kind of coming back into his own, really starting to show out the last couple of weeks again. Maybe because hey, Al Woods is there the whole time. Clowney's getting his reads back now. He's been super consistent, and I think as we just go into again, I keep talking about the. Later in the season, when we get to December, when it starts to become even colder, Seattle's run defense is pretty damn good. I expect them to keep getting sharper, and I, I just expect Al Woods to have a great finish to the season, just as he has uh, this this big start. And when I look at the pro football focus grades, you know, they, from game to game, they can kind of be uh, up and down. But when you when you track it over the course of a season, when you track it even over the course of 10 games, I think we find a pretty clear picture of, of who on this team is doing well and who's not doing well. And the top three graded out players on this team who have started all 10 games. Number one, Jadivian Clowney seems obvious. Mm-hmm. Number two, Shaquille Griffin again, seems obvious having a great year on defense. And number three, who started all 10 games, thigh arm Al Woods is, yeah, is right me. there. So, and, and then, you know, if you go over on the uh, rushing defense grades, which is what he is here to do, he's number two behind Bobby Wagner. So there you go. Yeah, I love it. I love when I when I just throw the emotion out there, and then you have stats to back it up. This is <laughs> this yeah you know, this 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 works quite well. But I mean, there there it is. The, the the proof is not only in the eye test, but the proof is right there in the stats. And when you're talking about your best D lineman, your most disruptive player, you're talking about a cornerback who's who's at who's playing at a Pro Bowl level, and it makes me feel even better about this first in. Speaking of feeling even better, it'd be great if some of the folks out there that are listening on field goals on the Seahawkers pod, the folks out on Twitter, you could follow us you could befriend us you could say hi and hellos out there and i gotta tell you brandon last couple of weeks the amount of folks hashtagging things three i three o the amount of people starting to follow uh that my handle out on twitter clinton bond it's it's pretty you know it's I'm pretty enamored. This is, I'm flattered to see this. So please do the favor, follow, follow on Twitter at Clinton bond. Brandon, how, how can folks follow and, and subscribe to, uh, to everything you got going on? 
Yeah, follow on Twitter at SeahawkersPod to interact there. And, of course, you can subscribe to the show if you haven't already. SBNation.com slash NFL Podcasts. Awesome. All right. With that, why don't we bounce over this? There is, hey, we're eight and two. We're certainly happy about the, uh, the, the, the start to this year and, and revving up in this buy and now heading over to Philadelphia, but it hasn't been all roses. So why don't we get to some of those outs? Okay, so now on over to the outside of the ledger. Like we talked about, it hasn't all been roses. And listen, you mentioned John Schneider already. And, you know, I've got some things cooked up to talk about him a little bit later that I'm super pumped up to talk about. But one of the big outs for me that I've got to go to is, you know what? I'm not sure that we should ever draft in the first round. I mean, you look back at our first rounds under Schneider and they've been They've been pretty bad, man. It's the for many years we traded out or we made trades for Harvard or Jimmy Graham, and you know you could debate whether those worked out one way or the other. But it, an out for me right now is that we got two players who are gobbling up two spots in our fifty-three right now that were taken in the first round in 2018, 2019 respectively, and for the most part they're not even sniffing the field. So I mean, just looking at the outs from Penny. And Collier. Now, I'm not going to hammer Penny. I mean, we've I've been down that road quite a bit. I actually think Penny can can be a contributing factor down the stretch. So I'd like to kind of put more of the out on Collier. Man, wh- where is this dude? Well, like, wh- what are we getting from that other guy? We talked a lot about that Clowny plus one, and we finally saw Clowny plus one. But if we start talking about Collier, and then maybe maybe even lumping uh, Ziggy onto to say. Where's that love on the other side? That out to me is sitting right there going, man, oh man, we do not have that second dance partner just yet coming off the edge, coming off the other end. And, you know, I'm not sure if you caught the the Chiefs game last night, but I got to tell you, watching number 55, Frank Clark, that dude was as, remember the game against Oakland versus London last year, where it's like (laughs) kind of he pulled the clowny versus the 49ers when you're like, that dude is by far the best guy on the field. Yeah. Frank Clark did that last night. And man, oh man, uh, my, my mind's still dreaming about this world where maybe we have Clowney and Clark. I know that's not the case. Maybe it never could have been the case, but I just feel like we need that second dance partner. And importantly, with the other out, is there somebody else that you think could step up in this in these last six games and heading into the playoffs to be that number two for Clowney? Yeah, I, I definitely have to agree with you. I, I think it is appropriate to go specifically more toward LJ Collier with this out because with when you're talking about guys who are drafted in the first round, yeah, it's, I, you would want to be seeing more from Rashad Penny. But, you know, when you look ahead of Rashad Penny, there's Chris Carson. And Chris Carson has been outstanding this year. So when you're looking at the depth chart, you say, well, there's a dude who who clearly deserves the ball more. Yes, he's had trouble with the fumbling issues. But even with the fumbling issues, you can see the value that the team has and the physical presence that he brings to the game. When you look over at the other side at LJ Collier, he's not competing behind Jadevian Clowney. He's competing with Ziggy Anza, uh, who we saw only take 13 snaps in the game against the 49ers. We saw Shaquem Griffin go in there behind him. And yes, it was clear, it was clear to me that, that Shaquem Griffin is undersized, especially when you compare it to a, a big guy like Jadivian Clowney, like Ziggy Anza. LJ Collier should be that guy, but yet he's only been on the field or, and I think I'm doing the rough math here correctly, uh, but maybe maybe uh, Rob Gronkowski is doing this math because he's been on the field for 69 <laughs> snaps on the season. 
Perfect, perfect. Nice, uh, nice to get the uh, the Gronk in there, and all the rumors now that he's coming back. Right, they they keep they keep percolating with these rumors that Gronk is going to be back playing tight end. Besides the fact that I don't want to see that because I, I want to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I kind of want to see that because Gronkowski is fun. It's fun to have in the NFL. And so for me, Brandon, that's, that's gotta be that first out. Like, you know, I think we probably have some recency bias. Remember, remember we're looking back at the first 10 games, not just the Niners game. We talked about this in the three and three out episode post Niners that Clowney finally got some dance partners. You know, he had Jefferson in there. He had Woods in there. He had Puna Ford in there. But if you're looking at the, the totality of the season so far, it's been Clowney plus no other dance partners. We need something from that other end and we'll see who could maybe step up and these last six games yeah and i think it's going to be i think what we're going to see is that having quentin jefferson healthy now jefferson plus Clowney plus reed i i think that's going to make the difference and then hopefully one of those other guys i know we've been hoping a lot to this point in the season hopefully if anza has been injured and 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 coming back from injury he gets healthy you know maybe shakeem griffin shows us something maybe brandon jackson i know he's been kind of the run stopping defensive end but maybe he shows maybe he gets more snaps instead because i feel like at least he's out there giving some effort uh, one of those guys can step in and 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 lj collier would be in that group too to to be the guy that we see consistently uh, making plays on the field. Yeah, let's hope for that. And you know what? There's there's lots of great things to, to hop back over to. So let's get back on to the other good side, the inside of the ledger. All right, we're back on to the inside of the ledger. And Brandon, I'm not sure if folks realize this, but when we do three in, three outs, for the most part, you kind of fly in blind. You, you don't know what I'm going to throw at you. And then you react to them. And you do some remarkable jobs pulling in some stats in real time. And it's pretty magical. In this case, I think you got a little, little clairvoyancy here. I think maybe a little Mama Cleo, because <laughs> you've already called a few things out to me that were on for me, the inside of the ledger. So I'm going to go to one right now. I know this is going to piss some people off, Michael Paul. I'm looking at you. But I want to give an in. I know about the fumbles. I know about those fumbles, but I want to give it in to Chris Carson. And I have some stats. I'm going to throw some math at you. Usually you're the one backing me up with stats, but I want, you know, I went and pulled a couple of quick stats here for the argument for Chris Carson. Here it is. And I know it's not, you know, always the easiest thing or, or the most, the most uh, mathematically sound thing to say someone's on pace for this, someone's on pace for that. However, we are 10 games into the season. So just doing the straight average math, Carson's on pace for 1,365 yards rushing and 302 yards receiving. With that, if, if those things stick true, that's it. That's over an 18 and a half percent increase in his yards in the ground and an 85 percent increase with yards through the air. That is a damn significant increase. And Brandon, if you recall, we did a preseason show, uh, you know, maybe a week or two before week one. And one of the things we were hinting at was given the construct of this team that we may even run the ball even more. And we discussed like the whys behind that. And it wasn't so much percentage. We, we weren't saying, oh, percentage wise, we're actually going to run the ball uh, more often than we did last year. It was the fact that we were probably going to run more plays this year, that we'd be year two into the Schottenheimer offense, that we had some coming back and more consistency on the offensive line, and then one more year under Russ because he's been just friggin' magnificent. And, and it, to me, I think it's playing out that way. So I look at Carson's workload. Yes, we all know about the fumbles, but that is a sincere increase in productivity. And for me, Carson's got to get the in. 
hey, if Chris Carson goes over 1,300 yards, that's going to put him in some pretty rare company as far as uh, guys that have been able to eclipse that mark on the Seahawks roster. You have to go all the way back to 2012, Russell Wilson's first season with the Seahawks when Marshawn Lynch was running for up, up near 1,600 yards. The, the last year that he broke 1,000 yards, he went for 1,306 yards. So it, to break 1,300 yards, you're talking about a time where this offense was rolling well enough and and, uh, and they had the defense on the other side of the ball to, to really back it up, and they were playing the type of football that Pete Carroll wanted to play. So the fact that you say that Chris Carson is on that pace – that's putting this team in position to play the kind of football that they played back when they were going to the playoffs consistently, going to Super Bowls consistently. And I think that's playing out with the offense and with the fact that the Seahawks are eight and two. Heck yes. And and I love I love pulling that that stat up and kind of looking at the the historic years of Lynch. And I did I did this a couple of weeks ago when I was looking at some of the, the pacings of Carson and a couple of fun names uh pull up as well. One one that that really kind of caught my eye was it's it's easy to forget how damn good Ricky Waters was mm-hmm. as a Seahawk, because you think of Ricky Waters as, you know, obviously a 49er and as a Super Bowl champion with the Niners. And, you know, I'm not saying it's just so to the flock out there, do a little homework. Go back and go see the Ricky Waters years. You might be pretty damn, you know, intrigued with how much productivity that dude that dude gave us in the short time that he was here. I was rather impressed. I I always liked Ricky Waters, and then when I was doing this bit of homework, I was like, damn, that's even better than I remember him being. It is surprising, you know. He had all of his Pro Bowl seasons when he was with San Francisco, when he was with Philly. I I look back and I have to remind myself he spent more of his time in a Seahawks uniform than any of those other teams, which it it seems weird to me because when I think of Ricky Waters, I think of the 49ers running back. I think of the Philadelphia Eagles running back. But Ricky Waters, he's our Seahawks running back. When you think of garbage, think of Akeem, right? It's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely comes to mind, but, but I'm with you. You know, that it's that, that Warren Moon, of course, a Hall of Famer, Jerry Rice, as we all know, right? So, which is, which is real fun. Yeah. Ricky and, Waters and, uh, not in the Hall of Fame yet, but, uh, you yes. know, if he does go in, we're, we're, def- we can't even claim him as a joke. He, he is legit. <laughs> yeah. He actually has more seasons with us, which is, which is super intriguing. And one, one other stat that kind of compiles with this that I went back and checked too. Last year, uh, our plays per game, so first year under Shadi, we were 22nd in the league, running about 62 and a half plays per game. This year, we're seventh currently. We're a smidgen outside the top five, and we're running 66.1 plays per game. So that might not seem like a huge gap there, but but it is. Like if you if you go look at you know Pro Football Focus and start looking at the plays per game, the very very top this year is the Patriots at 70. I think they're at I think they're at 70.0 even. So Seattle over 66 per game. We are right near the top five in, in amount of plays we run. And that it's just it's just a really smoking offense right now. And it's just all coming together. He does have to stop fumbling though. Chris Carson, you have to stop fumbling. When I go back and I, when I look at the numbers, Clinton, of, of guys who have fumbled, he's already 10 games in, he's fumbled six times. I look back, no, Sean no. Alexander, uh, the year after his MVP season, he had six. That was for the entire season. Uh, you look back at Kurt Warner's career, he was up there around uh, six, eight uh, uh, here and there for a couple of years. But Marshawn Lynch, he never went over five. Uh, you look at John L. Williams, uh, he never went over five. And Chris Carson is already there. Chris, you got to stop. Yeah, I, I've been, you know, I've been 
defending Chris Carson for for years now, and I will continue to do so. And and uh, yeah, he's no no more balls on the ground. That's it. No more for the entire year into the playoffs. Make the run, win the damn Super Bowl, hoist Lombardi, and hold on to it. Okay, Brandon, we are back on the outside of the ledger. Listen, football is in thirds, right? We hear this all the time. And whether or not it's not really equally divided into three equal thirds with your offense, your defense, your special teams, the bottom line is that is how the game is thought about. And that is how the game is typically won. You've got to have, you know, a strong defense, a really good offense, and a consistent and for the most part, mistake free special teams. Well, man, I got to tell you, the, the out overall, Brandon, for me, it just goes to the special teams in general. And I'll give you three quick things as to why. And I'll read them off just like this. Number one, Dixon has regressed to the average, right? He is. Possibly, I don't know what the stats say. He feels to me like he's even a below average punter at this point. He's had a couple of good games with a few good punts. But again, over the 10 game span so far, I think the dude is at the most an average punter. So that, that's number one. I, I don't know if I would go below average, but yes, it, it's definitely he's he's come back more toward the pack. And I because I look at it every week it just as, as something that I look at. I compare the two punters and how our opponent's punter is is compared to our current punter. And every week I look and I see Michael Dixon's better than the other guy. So I'm like, okay, well, he's just not amazing like he was last season. Potentially a case of the spoils here for sure. Uh, that's that's that ends in recency bias from, from last year as well. Probably sitting in, but but he's definitely he's definitely not as strong as last year. And speaking of not as strong, we talked about this last week. The fact that I, I feel strongly that Lockett should should no longer be our kickoff and punt returner, mm-hmm. just based on the fact that hey, go watch go watch some other games, go watch some other dudes who are like sending 22 and 23 year olds out there to go, to go return punts and kicks. Look how hard they hit those holes and like how, like with, with such reckless abandon, they just go North um, lock it. I think at, th- at this age with a broken leg a couple of years ago, you know, getting dinged just a couple of weeks ago with that hip injury. He to me is just not the dude to be returning kickoffs and returning punts right now. And I think we could do better with, with some of the youngins back there. And of course, the big one that's there is just that that Myers has not been very good. And the, the stats here are, you know, he's under 74% for the year uh, total. And then when he starts getting into anything long range, between 40 and 49, he's 57%. 50 plus yards, he's only one of three, you know, 33% on the year. He has been a, you know, an average or again, perhaps a below average kicker. You add those, th- those three things up and I'm like, you know what? The special teams overall has been pretty damn mediocre and perhaps a little bit less than mediocre. Yeah, the the special teams it, it has been a problem. I'm I'm definitely not on the fire uh, anybody train when it comes to the field goal kicker. When it comes to the punter, I think Jason Myers. I, I you tend to see kickers have good years, some down years. It's it's not something mm-hmm. that I would look to to just jump to that conclusion. He has to be fired because you know even Stephen Hauschka he had some bad days here and there, and he had such and Myers had such a good season last year with the Jets. I just I I want to give him time. And I think that the Seahawks and I think coach Carroll is going to be willing to give him time, but you know, that time could run out if you're missing, you know, critical kicks in critical moments. And fortunately with the team being eight and two, we haven't had quite those moments. It's actually, we've gotten the benefit of some missed kicks in, in 
many situations. So it's it's we've had some good uh, field goal luck, especially when it comes to the other team. Uh, but we haven't had good luck when it comes to the Seahawks special teams. I, I look down this list, Clinton, of, uh, you know, I'd like to go to the Football Outsiders special teams DVOA and the Seahawks in the NFL ranked number 27, only Oof. five teams worse uh, by their by their calculations in terms of special teams. And I'm looking up this list, trying to find the next team that's even that has eight wins on the season. And I go up to about, uh, let's see, Minnesota is at 18. I don't know if they have eight wins quite yet. Uh, San Francisco's at 16. So you, you have to go up to Minnesota and San Fran, and they're in the middle of the pack at least. So you can say that special teams, and and shoot, special teams cost San Francisco a game against the Seahawks here recently. So uh, that that just goes to show you that that even in the middle of the pack, there's there's issues with special teams that are costing teams games. Yeah, and once again, the eye test doesn't lie, and you're pulling in the stats, which is tremendous. I, I do want to say that, hey, but all credit to Pete Carroll for sticking with Myers, not not panicking. You know, even on that fourth and two, we talked about it last week, kicking the field goal, and Myers comes through, and then in overtime, Myers comes through. So again, hey, it's it's how you're playing when it comes to December and January, and hey, maybe that was that that confidence boost that Myers needs. What one aspect I think that has been good. I don't want to be overly critical. I do think it. Not sure if the stats play this one out, but I do think our kickoff coverage and our punt return coverage, for the most part, with the Nico Thorpes of the world, has been once again pretty damn good. Feels solid. And another another player too, Cody Barton. Cody Barton's put some some licks on, on special teams too. So not sure if those are showing up, uh, you know, in the stats per se. But if we're going to talk about all the the negatives, which which I brought up, I do want to give some love and say that I think the kickoff coverage and punt coverage has actually been pretty good. Yeah, and Tyler Lockett in in punt returns has been different than Tyler Lockett in kickoff returns. You know, if you're asking Tyler Lockett to go back there, be the guy that secures the football, gets a couple yards, I think he he might still be the the best guy to do it. I think David Moore could probably do a sufficient job. It's not like either of them are going to go out and Brian Walters their way through the season because we've done that before and that that worked out okay. Even when when Brian Walters was back there, field they just fair catching punts. That was better than Earl Thomas trying to catch punts. <laughs> they take that much so. So I, I think there is some improvement. You called out the guys on special teams that are you know blowing up, making some tackles. Show, throw Shaquem Griffin in there too. Uh, yep. He's been a guy that's, that's been you know charging down the field and, and making plays. So uh, I did the coverage. The coverage unit does feel good, and especially you know, hey, give some props to Jason Myers. Uh, he's not Sebastian Janikowski when covering kicks. <laughs> that's a true fact right there and again you know on three and three out we like to delve into these types of things these are the kind of things you do have to get into when you're eight and two you know if we're sitting here if we're sitting here at uh you know uh five and five or or four and six there's probably a hell of a lot of other things to concentrate on on the outs but we are fine tuning as we head into what will be the fourth quarter of the season so if we're picking on a little special teams it's because we love all right, Brandon, last in for me. You brought this one up earlier, too. Once again, that the Mama Cleo in you is is shining through. Your crystal balls are shining today, <laughs> you Brandon. You and I have done this now for for the first time this season for, what, like six weeks? I, I think we're, we're starting to uh, do the Vulcan mind melt. I, I believe so. You know, they always say like, you know, the offensive line needs time together. Things have to, you need, you need a little time to gel. And this is what's happening. This is kind of nice. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling supported here. This is quite, quite awesome. But you brought up the man, 
the myth and the legend before you brought up John Snyder. So Brandon, if I, if I were to say to you, we traded our, we traded a third round, a fifth round and a seventh round pick for an all pro defensive lineman, a very, very good starting safety and an emerging tight end. How would you feel about trading a third, fifth, and a seventh for three starters, one of which is an all-pro? Yes, yes, all good. I would take it uh, every single day of the week, and especially when that tight end is coming from the Patriots. I, I just like getting over on Bill Belichick and knowing that, uh, you know, throw Josh Gordon in there too, getting him off waivers for nothing. And uh, and and so two of those four then would be coming from the Patriots, and, and I like it when we can take the Patriots things and make them our own nice things. It is it is nice to grab, you know, there are certain trash heaps in the NFL that you do not go rummaging from. Let's say you know, the Bengals, the Browns, and some other teams that start with Bs, you could probably throw in there too. But you just don't go rummaging through the Redskins for sure. You don't go anywhere near that damn hill. But if it's the Patriots, and, and, and I'd say vice versa, if it's the Seahawks, people like to rummage through our garbage. You know, Bo Scarborough just went off the other day, and J.D. McKissick is their other running back. There's two dudes right there that are, that are running backs that came up and were in our system quite recently for the Detroit Lions. But, but yeah, if you're picking the scraps off of, off of the Pats, it tends to be pretty good scraps. Go back a couple of years ago, we're talking about Justin Coleman for a seventh. This year, we got Hollister for a seventh. The dude clears waivers and ends up on our practice to squad and comes back to us later this year and now is now he's all of a sudden a really damn productive tight end catching gorgeous one-handed touchdowns and you know for, from russell wilson this is pretty amazing and then that that you know digs we've seen him for one game so far and i can tell you right now i've seen it enough i've seen it i've seen enough you know you know what's nice is when it's like a run play and and for me brandon the proof is in the pudding with digs it's it's, it's when you're just watching you know that that just the sideline angle if you will the regular angle in football you know the dude's maybe kind of stuck up at the line or he's breaking to that first that first layer of the line and then all of a sudden you see some baller flying in with their hat coming off screen and attacking the ball and making the tackle I saw that, what, three or four times in one game with Diggs, the dude flying from from off screen right to the ball, putting his hat on the ball, making big tackles for a fifth rounder. Now I understand those uh, those fan videos from those Detroit Lions fans who were so pissed off when, when they lost Diggs for a fifth. Makes no sense. And that is to say we haven't even talked about Clowney. I mean, I don't think we have to go into great, great detail here, but Clowney has yeah, worked out okay. Clowney for a third and Martin and Mingo. I was checking out Martin's stats. The dude's barely scratching. He's not really getting much play with the Texans. So, and, and his Mingo is, I have no idea if Mingo's still even, you know, on the squad. Didn't even bother to check. Well, that's a little bit surprising to me to know that the Texans aren't getting anything from their end of the trade. You know, maybe, maybe they do get something out of a, a third round pick, but even still, when you get to the third round, especially the end of the third round, you're talking about guys that, yeah, I just look back at past third round, late third round picks for the Seahawks. Yes, there's guys in there that have worked out, but generally it's there's not a lot of big time players that uh, and shoot, if you get into the fourth round, especially if they're picking offense, uh, do those guys even stick around? Uh, it's I, I, the Seahawks absolutely got the better of the deal. Now they know if they want to page the Devian Clowney, you talk to any fan, they were ready to pay him after that week's game against the 49ers. So so now we know. And because free agency, it can be such a even with Chiefs fans. And you brought up Frank Clark earlier. 
there's they had some hardship with Frank Clark early on in the season, saying that he wasn't getting the job done. But now he's working into the job. Jadevian Clowney working into the job, working into the team. So now it, it, it's feeling better. And yes, John Schneider to make those moves. Now, interesting that one move that he didn't make, we're finding out this week, is that potentially the Lions were offering up a third round pick for Rashad Penny. And, you know, if they would have made that move, okay. If they didn't make that move, okay. Again, when it comes to the bottom of the third round, uh, well, I guess if we're getting Detroit Lions pick, it could be more toward the middle or top. So that's one move that he didn't make. And uh, it's kind of curious. They they may have had the options, but I do like having that depth with with Rashad Penny backing up Carson and and knowing that you have kind of a a, a one A one B type situation instead. Yeah, I had no idea. Didn't did not hear that story. I mean, I think if anybody who's listened to three and three out for you know this year and and read the articles in years past and such, you're not going to find it a shock that I probably would have jumped all over that trade and 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 taken the third. <laughs> But and and just a few weeks ago, I did have uh, Penny on the uh, on the inside of the ledger because he did look good in, in a game a couple of weeks ago where where he really was an, an effective uh, an effective one two punch or counter to Carson. So listen, in Schneider we trust. If he if he wants Penny here still, then let's let's you know let let's use him. Let's see what he's got. And let's let's see Penny rack up some some big games in December, January, and as we head into the playoffs. But yeah, that in that big the biggest in of ins. I feel like. Of course, we, we're not, we haven't even mentioned Russell Wilson. The dude's having an MVP year. Carol's doing an amazing job with this squad. There are others we could point to, of course, as well. DK Metcalf emerging as, as the top rookie uh, of the, uh, of this team so far. The third draft pick by the Seahawks, you know, Blair and Collier being the two guys selected ahead of him in the draft. And, and he's been the, the standout player among the draft picks. Yeah. He's been, he's been phenomenal. And, and with all that still to me, it's just, it's, it's Schneider. Schneider deserves that, that, that big in and kind of getting get let's let's finish super strong and get that dude lined up for gm of the year because man oh man if not if not this year then when the heck when the heck could he possibly win it all right, Brandon, one last out on what is this eight and two season. This one's pretty simple for me. We talked about it a couple times over. I went back through the uh, through the first 10 games and looked at looked at some times like, was there a pattern where there's some outs that kept showing up that we talked about at least at least two times? And this one shows up for me. It is third and short. It's the inability or maybe the the lack of gall to run the damn ball effectively on third and short and maybe even on fourth and short to just give the ball to Carson or even if it's Penny, give the ball to a back and go impose your will and get first downs and get touchdowns when you're down by the goal line and get first downs when it's third and one or fourth and one and impose your will and make your mark and be the team that we told everybody we're going to be, which is a run first team that will truck you with dudes like Fluker when you know it's coming and you can do nothing about it. That's not there yet for this team. And for me, it's the biggest, the biggest kind of canker sore so far that I'm like, at some point that's going to come back to bite us in the ass. I want to see us doing this to Philadelphia. I want to see third and ones and third and twos. And I want to see Carson trucking some dudes for first downs. Well, and part of this with me, part of the problem of it is that I don't know if if Pete Carroll completely trusts the offensive line in these short yardage situations, because we've seen on multiple times where 
they've had an opportunity in critical moments to go for it on third and two, on third and one, and then even on fourth and two and fourth and one. And when they've run the ball, there's been times where they come up short. So I mm-hmm. I think that there's some issues to be worked out here because, yes, when it's third and one, third and two, especially when you have guys like DJ Fluker, Mikey Potty, Dwayne Brown, it, those are guys that you should be able to, to just run right behind. And on third and two, on and even on fourth and short, it feels to me like a team that is indecisive and and doesn't know uh, exactly you know what their go to bread and butter type plays are in those particular situations. Yeah, we talked about the 2013 teams earlier in the 2012, 2014, the kind of that Marshawn Lynch era. There was, you know, there, there was zero question for the most part what was happening at that point. I'll put the little asterisk on there. Something that Tim Moon from the Seahawkers Pod Ring of Honor likes to call out quite a bit. Another way we could operate on some of these third and twos is also some read option where you, you know, you, you fake the handoff and Russ just keeps it. We have not seen much of that. And I'd say the last few years now. And again, getting into these colder weather months, man, oh man, I'd love to see us smash mouth the football down the throats. And then every now and again, pull it back, let Russ take it and go around the end because earlier in Russ's career, he did quite a bit of that. And if it wasn't Russ doing that, it was just Marshawn just pounding dudes. And it was pre- we were pretty much impossible to stop in those kind of situations. I want us to get back to that. And I think, I think we can, we got the same type of personnel. I just think it's that attitude. Let's get grizzly. Let's drink some raw eggs. Let's go chase some chickens, do what you got to do. Let, let's get back to that bit of that gnarly gnarliness that we saw in those 2013 years. One difference those years we had a fullback Michael Robinson and and I know it's it's just just to bring it up just to to give that dig into you with Nick Ballor he's having an okay season but on those third short type plays you don't see Russell Wilson lining up under center you don't see Nick Ballor in the backfield lead blocking for Chris Carson that's something we don't see and maybe that's a direction we could go I think, listen, I'd welcome the experimentation. I do think Belor is, I mean, Madden to me, Trey Madden was just like, why, why, okay, we have a, basically we have a 52 man roster. And when the dude's out there, we just, we sacrificed a player too. Like it was just bad, bad on bad. I mean, heck, if, if you don't like what you get from Belor as, as a traditional fullback blocking, try Hollister. You don't like that? Try Fant. I'm with you. You get a third and one and maybe you bring Fant back there and say, dude, just, Go shoot through the A-gap and plow over any dude that gets in your way and let Carson run behind him. I think it would actually be pretty successful. I'd like to see that kind of experimentation. And you're right, man. We don't have Mike Rob. We don't have Max Strong. We are we are long gone from those errors. And then when you do see that a team like the Niners executing with with you know with what they had with their all pro, it is, you know, it does harken back. I do wish we had that dude who could just get back there on third and one third and two just lead block and then and by the way sometimes that that dude can take the handoff too i'd like to see us get back to that but i'm not sure personnel wise we're set up for that kind of success all right, Brendan, though it might be a bye week, you know who's who always comes through for us? Doesn't matter win, loss, bye, ham sandwich, doesn't matter. It's the flock, Brandon. From the flock, the, the folks in the Seahawkers pod, Ring of Honor. First and foremost, why don't you tell people how could they get involved with the Seahawkers pod, Ring of Honor? Yeah, if they want to get it, go to getintheflock.com and uh, those who sign up at the $12 a month level or above, they get an invitation to our Seahawkers podcast, Ring of Honor. Uh, they get an invitation 
invitation to our Slack channel, and uh, they can they can join this community that we've built. That uh, there's so many good discussion that happens during the weeks, during the games. It's a fun group to be a part of, and uh, to do that, to be a part of it, you can go to getintheflock.com. And I recommend any rabid Seahawks fan and listeners go do that. While lots of social media has, has you know, devolved into dumpster juice, this is a this is a little nook and a cranny unto itself. That's just good people from all walks of life that are passionate Seahawks fans. And speaking of passion, we got you know, I go back out there and say, hey, it's a bye week, but what are your ins and outs for the year thus far? And oh man, oh man, we we got we got a freight train of great ideas coming through. So Brandon, why don't you pick a winner, Bobby, and throw one out there to start us off? Let's start with Vincent Parker, who jumped right in and said the Seahawks they won the bye <laughs> yes winning the bye week is nice you know although some teams could have helped us out a bit more here or there heck yeah. we're eating too so that feels like we won the bye if, if the, the Cardinals could have helped us even win the bye even more but uh, again I'm not going to put my problems onto Cardinals fans they got enough problems uh, and, and but things are looking up for them but yes we needed the 49ers to lose uh, but you know what like you said, we control our own destiny still, and we can we could do it ourselves. Damn straight, Brandon. I feel like we just we just might. We just might. So I mentioned Tim Moon earlier. We didn't talk much Russ, but he comes in and says, hey, Russell Wilson MVP. But he also calls out a play that a lot of the folks here called out. So if you call this one out too, then you, you co-own this. But the toe drag swag, that Tyler Lockett play in the end zone in the Rams game, that is one of the ins that lots of fans are talking about still. And, you know, still gives you those good those good goosebumps. Yeah, if you're talking about greatest plays of the season, I mean that's going to be an all-timer, and and that's going to be one that you know, when Russell Wilson goes into the Hall of Fame, you're going to see that throw to Tyler Lockett being replayed in that moment because that's just when you think of iconic plays from the season, that one's going to rise to the top over the course of a couple seasons. But looking at Tim Moon's outs, you know he he brings up fumbles, uh, he brings up injuries. Injuries have been a bit of an issue for this team, especially when you think of. Will Disley going down. Tyler Lockett is out toward the end of the game, but fortunately it sounds like he'll be back. But there have been uh, these types of issues, especially, you know, I, the biggest names that I point toward with injuries this season, Will Disley and then the center, Justin Britt. Those are probably the two biggest ones. Tedrick Thompson was an injury, but I think that that's that I, I feel like we've now improved now. Thanks to our other in John Schneider. You know, ex- exactly. We have, we have improved that. And you know, D- DCH also talking to improvements. DCH is always there. Doug is always, always improving. I love his first in. He just calls it sneaky good year. You know, we talk about compiling those wins early on. You might not win clean. You might not win pretty. But but then when you beat the the quote unquote best team, you know, on, on their turf and you go eight and two and you do that in prime time, the whole league goes, whoa, the Seahawks are still for real. Yeah, that's because we kept compiling wins against Atlanta, against Cincinnati, when really nobody's watching those games uh, from a, from a, you know, a national scale. But we're sitting here at eight and two and DCH is saying, hey. Don't look now or look if you want to. This team's having a damn sneaky good year. On the outside from DCH, super slow start for our historically awesome defense. And he brings up ball protection, fumbling being a huge issue, not just with Chris Carson, like we brought up before. Russell Wilson's had fumbles. DK Metcalf's had fumbles. Uh, there's, It's just been such a big problem. And especially for a coach like Pete Carroll, who preaches 
how it's all about the football. So if uh, if they can keep if they can get that back under control, protect the football, get back to playing the type of defense that we saw against the San Francisco 49ers, if they're going to finish the year strong like we've seen in past years, then look out the rest of the NFL. So speaking of looking out here, I got I got a little combo package from Rebecca Christensen and Shannon Minch. They kind of said the same thing. They said a little bit differently, kind of back to back. But Rebecca's point was biggest surprise for her thus far is the fact that at no point is she sitting there going, man, oh, man, do I do I like really miss Doug Baldwin? And Shannon's saying the wide receivers have uh, exceeded expectations and, and really we're not missing Doug. Now, of course, we all love Doug. Doug is a, Doug is an all time uh, Seahawk Doug, in my opinion, I, Brandon, I'm, I'm assuming yours too. Doug will be in the ring of honor one day. We'll, we'll be seeing number 89 up in the rafters. We'll celebrate that. But but the truth of the fact is these ladies are right. Like right now, offensively, we don't miss Doug whatsoever. Lockett has stepped up and then players behind Lockett have stepped up probably even more. Yeah, and I think we knew that Tyler Lockett had what it took to be a, a number one type of receiver. You know, we'd seen it from him in the past, but you know, could if he was the only guy and the defenses could just dial in on Tyler Lockett, if he'd be able to be the only guy with with no help around him, that would that was a question. And the fact that DK Metcalf has emerged, uh, the fact that that Will Disley came back and was such a reliable target for Wilson, and now he has Jacob Hollister who has has been a reliable target these last couple of weeks. Uh, it, it just goes to show you that it's it really is about Russell Wilson and being able to find you know, so many of these guys you know, that, that he has the chemistry. He puts in the time to build the chemistry among all his receivers so that when it comes down to some of those big time moments, he knows he can trust his guys. 100%. And, and Nathan Walsh goes in with it in here that kind of tails nicely into that. And if you're talking about those things, he's saying, hey, he's got to give it into Shadi's offense. Be, like having that kind of mix, having that kind of adventurous chemistry this year, year two under Shadi, we looked at it before, just plays per game where we're hovering around, we're, we're really close to the top five. This is one of the best offenses in the league. And Nathan's saying, man, there's an in there. And I really liked another another observation by Nathan Walsh. This this. This one on the outside of the ledger, remember after the Saints game, uh, Pete Carroll kind of said he didn't realize that Alvin Kamara was, was kind of that good. So, I mean, that was, that was still kind of annoying. And, and Nathan's bringing that back up and being like, what, what are you watching? Like, how do you, how do you watch football the last couple of years and not scheme to take away Kamara and be like, ah, I did, just didn't think he was that good. So I think that's a pretty damn good call out for an out from Nathan. Hey, how about an out for rainy days at CenturyLink? Because those were the only two games that we lost. We're on rainy days at CenturyLink. If this team could play well in the rain, come on, you're in Seattle. Get it done. Yeah. Could, with this team, it could be undefeated. It could also have four losses if the, the opponents made their kicks. But no, hey, <laughs> I, I'm glad that we're splitting the difference and we're in between at eight and two. And I feel with all that technology in the PNW, you got AWS, you got Microsoft, you got Boeing knowing about all the aerodynamics. They could probably do something with that rain, you know, do something with sound to keep the rain off the field. I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, Russell Wilson, he gets a little bit more inaccurate when the ball gets wet. I, I would just say, like, show me a quarterback where that's not the case, you know, and it's Seattle. It's, it's going to friggin' rain. But man, oh, man, would it be nice if we kind of get some dry days down the stretch here and then hopefully, hopefully get a couple of dry. Uh, in fact, I'll call for it. I want two dry home games in the playoffs. If you can, uh, you know, pick up what I'm putting down there, Brandon. If we're talking about two playoff home games for the Seahawks, we're talking about good things at the end of the season. That's a true fact.
Well, with that, Clinton, what do you say we close this out with some comments from our good friend Lisa Carlson from The Flock says, The whole damn season has been a continuous run of suspense, tums, and blood pressure management. Even for the Pete Carroll Seahawks, this is a masterpiece of drama. And as I am living through it, screaming at the TV in rage and joy, I am reminding myself that we will probably look back on this as one of the best years of our football fandom. Bring on the 30 for 30 about the 2019 Seahawks. Oh, Lisa, I love that so much. That was the the whole reason that 3 and 3 out is here. The whole reason 3 and 3 out exists is because it is that sober yin. It is that raging yang continuously fires us up as Seahawks fans. So Lisa, great job dropping that knowledge. And you know, to all the all the folks in the flock, great job. I put this out late last night saying, hey, we're going to put a pod together on some of the, the ins and outs. And this is how you come through because this this is who you are. So I just want I want to give a Brandon, I want to give a big in to the flock. This is some this is a hell of a good performance by them on a bye week. We're all suffering from BWS. We all have bye week syndrome and we get by with a little help from our flock friends. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.